Will you please turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17? I want to commence to read at verse 32. So there's 1 Samuel chapter 17, commencing to read at verse 32. Let us now hear God's word, beginning at verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him, and smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard, and smote him, and slew him. My servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and they said to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in the script. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. May God bless his word to our hearts for his name's sake. Amen. Now for a short time this morning, I want to speak to you on five smooth stones. Now this is not a traditional Reformation Sunday service. But I suppose there are some similarities here. The people of God are facing a great enemy. God is pleased to raise up a man to deliver his people from that enemy. And God has been pleased down through the course of history when his church and his people have been persecuted and seemingly all but overcast. God has been pleased in his mercy to raise up a man or men he raised up David in his time. 
He raised up Jeremiah in his day and Isaiah. He raised up men like Luther and Calvin and Knox and Spurgeon and Whitfield and Wesley and W.P. Nicholson in our own country. God has been pleased at different times to raise up different individuals to defend his people, to maintain his cause. And using them, God has been pleased to do great things on behalf of his people. You might be one of those people seated here today in the house of God that God can use to frustrate the purposes of the enemy or our enemies in our midst and to do a great work for God. That's not an amazing thing that God can take someone here just like you and me. He took a teenage boy and he used him for his glory. And what a man he turned out to be. Now this young teenager before us, David of course, that young shepherd boy from Bethlehem was facing a challenge like he had never faced before. The fate of the army of Israel and indeed the fate of all Israel, the nation itself was at stake. And David was either going to be the hero or the villain of the story. Much hung in the balance that day as he faced the great giant Philistine Goliath on the battlefield. But David didn't trust in his own talents or in his own abilities. He was trusting in the Lord to do something that only God could do in the circumstances. On the other hand, David didn't just run out into the fray totally unprepared. First of all, he tried on Saul's armor. He put on Saul's coat of mail. He took Saul's sword in his hand, but he didn't feel comfortable. He didn't feel right. It really didn't suit him at all. So he left them aside. And the next thing he did was to go to the nearby uh, brook. And uh, in doing so, he took with him the staff, something he felt comfortable with, and his shepherd's sling. And then he made his way down to the brook, that nearby brook. And from the brook, he retrieved five smooth stones. What a contrast to Goliath's weapons. He had a sword, he had a shield and he had a spear. Now for a little time I, I'm thinking about these five smooth stones and I think of the words of Peter in 1 Peter 2 writing to believers just people like you and me. Ye also are lively stones. And from these five stones before us in 1 Samuel chapter 17 we learn the kind of people that God is pleased to take and use for his glory, just the way he took David, just the way he took Luther, just the way he took Calvin, just the way he took Knox, just the way he took Spurgeon and Whitfield and others to do work for God. So what kind of people does the Lord take and use for his glory? Well, think with me for a little time about these stones brought to attention here. The first thing that I noticed is that they were chosen stones. David went down to the brook 
and he chose or he selected these five smooth stones. Now you may be asking the question, why did he choose five stones? That is an answer I would love to have from God himself. The Bible doesn't specifically state why he retrieved five stones. But this I do know, that five in the Bible is the number of grace. It is also the number of preparation. Let me explain. When someone has experienced the grace of God, that person, that man, that woman, that young person is prepared or fitted for heaven. Now, this might be a good opportunity for me to ask you the question, have you had this experience? Have you experienced the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ? If you have experienced the grace of God and salvation, then let me say to you on the authority of the word of God that you are prepared and fitted for heaven. The other side of the coin is this, it's very simple. If you've never experienced the grace of God, you're not fitted for heaven, nor are you prepared for heaven. I just heard the other day of a very uh, well-known figure up in North Antrim, had a, a serious motorbike accident and was suddenly cut off into eternity. And I'm sure you've heard different stories on the news or in the local press of people who have been suddenly taken out into eternity. There go I but for the grace of God. You can say that of your own situation as well. So the point I'm emphasizing, five is the number of grace, that's the number of preparation. Let me illustrate this further. You have the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. They prepare us for Israel's history throughout the rest of the Bible. We wouldn't know anything about really the background or the history of the children of Israel without these first five books of the Bible. So they prepare us for, to, uh, to, for whatever follows on after that. You have five wise virgins in Matthew chapter 25. They were prepared. When the bridegroom came, they were ready and they went in. The other five weren't ready. What happened to them? They were shut out. The door was closed. Where did you find them? Well, you find them out in the dark. Can we not uh, see here the message of the gospel? Those who are prepared to meet God will go in when the bridegroom comes. Those who fail to make preparation will be lost in the darkness. The darkness of eternal separation from God. Five were wise and five were prepared. Now to prepare the saints of God for ministry and for the service of God. Some are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Five. Through these five outlets, the gospel of grace goes forth. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he came to the cruelties of the cross, we see him bearing five major wounds. Two hands, two feet, and side. Major wounds. Of course, he had the wounds from the wearing of the crown of thorns, but he had five major wounds. Through his work, we are prepared for heaven. 
Through his salvation, we are fitted for heaven. I'm emphasizing this because the Lord has you here for a purpose. There's no mistake you're here. I don't know your history. I don't know your background. But I'm here as a servant of God to tell you, you need to prepare to meet God. And you need to prepare today. You need to seek him while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. So I believe the reason why David took these five stones, he took the five stones to get the job done. It was to prepare him to take on Goliath. David had complete confidence in God. I have no doubt about that. He knew that God was going to deliver Goliath into his hand, but David, I don't think, knew how many stones he would need. Whether he would be successful with the first stone or the second stone or the third stone, but he had confidence in God and he was going to be prepared. So I think there's good advice here for us as the people of God. We believe in the sovereignty of God and at the same time we believe in man's responsibility. God was going to give David a victory. David had to take the ammunition with him to take on the Goliath, not knowing fully the mind of God. He knew he was going to have success, but he didn't know how many stones he would need to fell that great Goliath. Remember the, the famous words of Oliver Cromwell? He said, trust in God and keep your powder dry. Now, the, the size and the shape of these five stones were very important. David knew exactly what kind of stone he was looking for. The most suitable ones for the task. And the Lord chooses different people for different tasks. And David chose these particular stones for the task that God had set before him just the way God had chosen him to become the second king of Israel to replace Saul, who was man's choice. All the while, David was, was God's choice. So you have this particular thought, God choosing these stones, the suitable ones. Now David, as you know, was one of the eight boys. His father was a man called Jesse. And Samuel was sent by God down to the house of Jesse, down to Bethlehem. And the Lord said to Samuel, I want you to anoint one of Jesse's sons. So Samuel, in obedience to the command, went down and he saw the first and the second and the third. These were all robust men, suitable men, a great physique. Oh, surely this has got to be the man of God's choosing. But the seven sons passed by. And God said, no, no, no. And David said to Jesse, do you have any more sons? Oh, yes, he's, he's a little lad out in the field. He's only a teenager. He'll be no use to you. And Samuel said, bring him in. And when he came in, God said, that's the man. David was the eighth. Eight in the Bible is a number of new beginning. A new beginning. And God was actually saying, I'm going to give the nation of Israel a new beginning one day. When David comes to age, at my appointed time, I'm going to set David upon the throne of Israel. He's going to be my man. The nation is going to get a new beginning through him. You can apply this in the gospel. You'll get a new beginning through God's choice. And God's choice is Jesus Christ. The only one to fit you and prepare you you for heaven. So David was a teenager. I see one or two teenagers here in the house of God today. Now you might think, I'm too young. I'm too sinful to do anything for God. Well, grace can prevail and change your life and change your heart and give you a new start, a new beginning. 
to live the rest of your life for the glory of God. When the Lord wanted a young woman to become the mother of his son, who did he choose? He chose a teenager. He chose a young virgin called Mary. She wasn't 35 years of age or 35, 30 years of age. She was a teenager. She may have been 17 or 18 years of age. Does that surprise you? What a, a, an awful responsibility that was placed upon the shoulders of one so young, and yet she was God's choice. Now, some teenagers are here. God might even now this day be putting his hand upon your life and saying to you, I have a job for you to do. Will you be like David? Will you be like the Virgin Mary and say, yes, Lord, I'll go with you. I'll do whatever the Lord wants me to do. So the challenge David faced on this occasion was a big challenge. Oh, over nine foot tall. Would you notice that was a big challenge you faced? Maybe you're facing a big challenge. Maybe you are facing a big challenge. Maybe there's some great mammoth challenge in your life at this point in time, a great obstacle, a great hurdle, a great question that has to be resolved, a great burden that needs to be overcome in your experience. It's a big problem. And as far as David was concerned, that, that had been a problem for 40 days. Day after day it was there. Maybe, maybe there's something in your life that's been there day after day for weeks, maybe for a whole month, 40 days. And you can't sleep at night too well and you're concerned about this thing. It may be financial, spiritual, work-related. I don't know. You've got this problem and it's there with you every waking moment of the day and you can't even sleep because of it. And maybe the Lord's saying to you today, as he did on the occasion, David went out to face Goliath, this is going to be the last day. I'm going to deliver you from this great threat, this big problem that you have. And he will deliver you through grace. If you haven't got a problem, you might have a problem before the week's over. And you might call to mind just what I'm saying. Because God makes no mistakes when he gives to a servant of his a message to preach. And you will have to prove God's grace maybe before this week comes to an end. And he didn't really get much encouragement from his family. Eliab said, what are you here for? You're just here to watch the battle. And then Saul, the king, said he didn't give much encouragement either. He says, you can't do this. You're far too young. You can't do this. And Paul discovered in his experience, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And this is true. We can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. Initially, David was there uh, to provide food for his brothers. The father had sent him. This is an interesting thought. Jesse, the father, had sent the beloved son because David means beloved down to show compassion for the rest of his brothers. He really despised David. So he was there to deliver the food to the brothers. But it ends up that he was there to fight a battle. He was the right man at the right place at the right time for the right purpose. God brought him there for that purpose. His brother despised him. The king said, you're not fit for this. But God brought him there at the right time to be a blessing 
to the nation of Israel. And so he, he says, put on my armor. And David says, no, I can't work with these things. I don't feel comfortable with these things. So we see him picking up these five stones. He puts them in the shepherd's bag and he heads out to face that big problem. The second thing I notice here is that the stones were clean. How do we make that out? Well, it says he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. I'm sure you have waterways, burns, whatever around here. And you've gone down at some point of time for something. And, and you look in through the clear water there and you can see a few stones lying in the bottom. And they're nice and clean, aren't they? They've been in the water, you see. And all the rough edges seem to be all uh, taken away and they're smooth, smooth stones. We're talking about smooth stones here. They were rounded. They were water-worn pebbles and well-fitted to uh, fit into David's sling, into the pouch, you see. Remember the ministry of John in Luke chapter 3, 4 and 6. He's, He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 40. And he talks about the Messiah and the coming of the Messiah. And he talks there about he will make rough ways shall be made smooth. The rough ways shall be made smooth. This is the only place in the New Testament where this particular word smooth is used. It means level, smooth, rounded. And the word for smooth means level. And here in John's ministry in Luke chapter 3, there is an allusion to the practice of the Eastern monarchs when they planned a visit to a particular area. Heralds were sent before them to call the people to clear the roads and to make straight the roads. Nothing had to stand in the way of the, the coming monarch. And if the roads were too poor, then they had to make new roads. So the herald was sent on before to clear the pathway, to clear the way for the coming of the king or whoever was coming. But the preparation on which John insisted was the preparation of heart because the king is coming. And his message as the courier, he came to the people of Israel and he brought this message, the king is coming, prepare your hearts to meet him. Because he's coming to examine, he's coming to inspect, he's coming to judge the world. Make no mistake about it, he's coming to judge the world and reward those who trust in him. We've got to be serious about these things. This is not pie in the sky. This is divine truth, divine realities. Water in the Bible is an emblem of the word. So typically, you understand what I'm saying? Typically, these stones were under the word because they were under the water. So they were cleansed because they were under the water of the word. Do you see that? Do you understand what I'm saying? They were there for clean stones. And we as the people of God, if we want to be used of God, we need to be clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. We need to be saturated with the Holy Scriptures. Read this book Study this book through and through. Bathe every morning in the Holy Scriptures of God's Word. It will keep you in a right relationship with God. It will keep you clean from the things that would defile you as a child of God. Sanctify them through thy Word. Thy Word is truth, Jesus said. 
the illustration that we can use here that is, is really challenging to us all, it's, it's meaningful to us all because we are familiar with this, this image that is presented here. The reason that our clothes and our dishes and our cars are washed in water is to make them clean. You see, the water is a very effective method of picking up the dirt and carrying it away and cleansing it away. The Bible is like the water. It keeps on washing us from our defilement and keeps us in right fellowship with God. But the Bible is also likened to a mirror, Jesus says, through the teaching of James. James 1.25, Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, whosoever looketh into the word of God, if you like, and continueth therein, he be not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed indeed. The first word that I want to use is this, read it. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, read the Bible. That's what that means. Review it because we are to continue therein. Meditate on it. Review it. Think it over. To remember it. Be not a forgetful hearer. And then we've got to go out of our text to find the third. Record it. Hebrews talks about give earnest heed lest it slip. So here we have some good advice. Child of God, are you reading the Bible? Are you reviewing the Bible? Are you remembering the Bible? Are you recording it? Now, when I study my Bible, if I get something, I have a journal, I write that thought down. It may be on that page for two or three months. I'm thinking about coming to preach and carry it off. And I remember something I had uh, written down a couple of months beforehand. That, that would suit the message. I go back. I couldn't trust that to my memory, but I wrote it down. And because I wrote it down then, I knew it was there. And then I was able to incorporate it into a message to bring to the people of God. Oh, this book will keep you from sin. This book will keep you from sin. Or sin will keep you from this book. And when we look into the Bible, it reflects back who we really are, what we look like spiritually. You look in the mirror in the morning time and you, you see a, a reflection of who you are physically. Oh, you see one or two grey ones there. We've got to do something about that. And oh, look at these bags below my eyes. We've got to do something about that as well. Oh, you look into the mirror and you can see yourself and you say, I've got to take action there. You look into the Word of God. It's the mirror of the Word of God. I've got to take action in this area, in that area, in another area, because I'm defiled. I'm not right. I've got to get right. One day the books will be opened and along with the books will be the Word of God. The messages that you have heard over the years will be brought to mind and all the opportunities spurned will be brought to mind. Brought to mind. And you will give an account to Almighty God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, David took these stones out of the brook, these stones that were under the water, and he put them into a shepherd's bag they, they belong to the Lord, I suppose we could say, lying in the brook. Or whoever owned that particular brook, 
but he made them his own and he put them into the shepherd's bag. And we've got to take the promises of God's word and make them our own. We've got to put them into the, the shepherd bag of our own heart that I might not sin against the Lord. You see, David saw those stones under the water and the Lord knows all those of his people who are under the word of God, under the discipline of his holy truth. The Lord knows those who are often in the book and under the discipline of God's word. That's a solemn thought as well, you know. You have the image there of, of Naaman. He was a, a great captain. And uh, he was simply told to go into the Jordan and wash seven times and you'll be clean. First of all, he, he resisted that. But then one of his faithful soldiers said, why don't you do this? If they asked you to do some great thing, you would do it. Why don't you just do the simple thing? And sometimes that's the answer, just do the simple thing. Not the complicated thing, just do the simple thing. And so he goes down to the Jordan and he dips into the water once and nothing, nothing's changed. He goes down the second time, sixth time, seventh time, he comes up and he skins just like the baby, the baby's skin. He's been renewed. And we have this wonderful picture of the child of God who comes and, uh, to the word of God often and he washes himself in the word. He keeps on washing and God purifies the heart. It's not something you just do once. You've got to keep on coming, child of God, on a regular basis. You need to keep coming to the water of the word to have your sins dealt with. And the word of God teaches us about babies they, they desire the sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby not the heaven meat you give a newborn baby a milk bottle you don't serve up a, a six ounce steak and uh, chips with it no you give the, the child the milk and children need milk and then as you develop and grow and and grace, then you go on to the meteor things of the Word of God. That's applicable to us all here today. There's some young in the faith, they're in the ABCs of the Bible, the milk of the Word, the Gospels, the Book of Acts. But then as you develop and mature, you go into Romans and Corinthians and Revelation and so on. You grow thereby. So we have this, this thought here, and before I move on, and I'm coming to a close real soon. It's interesting where the Philistines were situated at this point of time. Verse 1, Ephesh Damim. That's a hard word to pronounce, but I can tell you something. It means boundary of blood. And so you have these Philistines. See, there's a valley between them and the people of God. And in this story, the Philistines are not able to go beyond the boundary of blood to get at the people of God. We have an enemy, a powerful enemy, the enemy of our soul. But thank God we're surrounded by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And there's one thing we could be assured of. The devil can tempt and test us and try us. And sometimes we falter and fail but the devil cannot touch us because of the boundary of precious atoning blood. Precious, precious blood 
of Jesus. And David had a sling and the stones in his hands, lethal weapons in the hand of one who was experienced in using them. The sling was, was visible and the stones were invisible because they were in the back. Now, I'm saying that these stones are types of the people of God. And here we have this wonderful picture that our lives are hidden with Christ and God. Do you see that? They're in the bag, in the shepherd's bag. We are in the, 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 the hands of the Savior, in the shepherd's bag. We're hidden in Christ. And the devil cannot harm us. And by the way, one stone was used to penetrate Goliath. Hit him there in that spot there that was unprotected. And brought about his downfall. All it took was one sacrifice by one saviour on Calvary to deliver sinners from the power of the devil. That's all it took. One sacrifice by one saviour. There only is one saviour to deliver sinners from the condemnation of sin. And by the way, David just used one stone and when he cut off Goliath's head, he returned with five stones because there was one still lodged in the head and the brain of Goliath and he had four stones left in his pocket. He only needed one. But when you read the history of David and David's people, Goliath, according to what we read in the, the Word of God later on, 2 Samuel 21, Goliath had four relatives, whether brothers or sons, I cannot say for sure, but David's armies at a later stage defeated those other four giants. So what's, what's the point I'm trying to make here? When David went out, he had five stones. He needed one to defeat the giant he faced. And then spiritually, there were four stones left to defeat the relatives of the giants at a later stage in the history of David. So God gives grace to us to face our giants. And thank God he gives us grace to face the other giants that we meet with along the pathway of life. His grace is sufficient. Hallelujah. His grace is all we need. And then I've got to finish. These stones were chosen. These stones were clean. And these stones were carried. Well, David puts the five stones in the bag. And wherever David goes, these stones go over the brook, out onto the battlefield, and so on. And the stones representing the people of God are in the hands of Christ, and wherever he goes, we go. The high priest of Israel wore the breastplate with 12 jewels, with the 12 names of the children of Israel upon those stones, and he went into the presence of God bearing the breastplate. He was carrying with him the names of the children of Israel, the people of God, representing them before God. He's carrying them, you see. He has the names on his shoulders as well. And he points us to Christ. When the good shepherd found the sheep that was lost, where did the shepherd put the, the sheep? On his shoulders. The place of security, the place of safety. He carried that little sheep all the way back to the sheepfold. 
And when you trust in Jesus Christ, he carries his people upon the breastplate of his heart, upon the shoulders of his love. He represents us now at the Father's right hand. And one day he's coming for us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's coming again to receive his church unto himself. And where he is, there we shall be also. Just one other thing. David is facing Goliath. Goliath is belittling David. He's only a teenager. You're coming to me with a stave, with a staff. He hadn't long to live at that point. His time is limited. He's still fighting God. David puts his hand into the shepherd's bag. Do you see him? Down here, probably. He lifts out the stone. Where's the stone? It's in the hands of the good shepherd. David was a good shepherd. David's name means beloved. Here's Christ. And this is where every child of God is today, safe in the hands of Jesus Christ. I give unto my sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish, and there's none able to pluck them out of my hand. There you are, child of God. There's the hand of David. He has in his hand the stone, the stone that he's going to use, the stone that fell Goliath. It's in his hand. That's where you are, child of God, in the palm and the hand of Christ. You have eternal life, eternal security, and you'll never perish. And there's none able to pluck you out of his hand, no matter what the devil tells you when you're down, when the wheels come off your chariot, when you feel lost and when you feel all alone and you feel defeated and you feel a failure. Remember this, we all falter, we all fail, but Jesus never fails. And underneath are the everlasting arms, the palm of his hand. This is the stone that God used in the hands of David to fell Goliath. Suddenly we can see the stone leaves the sling. Oh, it, wouldn't have been, it would not have been successful without the sling. The sling was there. And so he slings it out. There it goes. Whatever way you put it. And we see Goliath comes to a standstill. And the Philistines are still rejoicing. We're, uh, Goliath is going to tear this young fellow to pieces. And then he's on his knees. And then he's down in his face. The Philistines are dumbfounded. They're silenced. And there's a roar in the camp of David and Saul and the people of Israel. David has done it. He has succeeded. He has triumphed over our enemy. This is the message of the gospel. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's well-beloved Son, has defeated the devil at the cross. He's triumphed gloriously. And he lives forever with the saints to reign. And he's coming again. All glory be to God. Be united with him today through faith. Get right with God. Seek him while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Get onto the blood and get into the hand of the Savior. And Jesus says, I will give unto you eternal life and you will never perish. And there's no devil or demon in hell will be able to pluck you out of my hand. That's his guarantee. So it may not have been a Reformation traditional service, but it is a glorious message. 
about one God raised up to defeat the enemy, who liberated his people and set them free. It's all about Christ, the greatest message that any person could ever preach, the finished work of King Jesus. And above the rest, this note shall swell, my Jesus hath done all things well. What a Savior. May you trust him today. May God bless his word to your heart. We'll close in prayer, please. Father, we do thank thee again for thy word from this simple Bible story. In the closing moments, we pray that the spirit, the sling, will take the stone of the gospel and fire it with great power into the hearts of men and women who need to hear it. And may it bring them down to their knees for they will seek the Lord for mercy and for grace. We pray for those who may yet be out of Christ. May God in his infinite grace draw them to the cross right now. For those who may have grown cold, may they have their hearts warmed again at the fire of God's precious truth. And for those who just need a wee bit of encouragement, may they leave the house of God encouraged this day. Dismiss us with thy blessing. And in thy fear we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I will not be going to the door, so just feel free to leave at your convenience. Amen.